we've actually actually working years on the roadmap to to develop the roadmap and and it became clearer and clearer that there was uh, a pathway forward um, and therefore we um, decided to uh, transition that investment in offsetting into investments into technologies which will help us directly decarbonize, uh, such as the um, partnership with Rolls-Royce, such as the direct air carbon capture and storage technology development, uh, such as um, the software that I talked about on the descent profile optimization um, with, with Airbus, the retrofitting of our fleet uh, with that software to drive operational carbon efficiencies right here and now. Um, so that, that's why we have pivoted away from offsetting and into technologies to help us directly decarbonize. Welcome to Sustainability in the Air the world's first podcast dedicated to sustainable aviation. I'm your host, Shashank Nigam, the CEO of Simply Flying. Every Thursday, I have important conversations with top aviation executives, technology entrepreneurs, and policymakers helping aviation take climate action. Conversations that help separate the signal from the noise. Whether you are a frequent flyer, or an airline executive. If you care about sustainability or simply love traveling, welcome aboard. Jane Ashton heads up sustainability at EasyJet. She has great experience in turning the UK leading low-cost airline into a visionary when it comes to sustainability initiatives from working on a hydrogen aircraft with Airbus to being one of the first airlines to 100% offset its carbon footprint even before the pandemic. Now, these policies are now getting revised and Jane and I speak in depth about what is it going to take to get one of the largest and fastest growing low-cost airlines in Europe to get to net zero. Jane, it is fantastic to be speaking with you again about EasyJet's net zero journey. Uh, I remember shortly after we last met, you had published your net zero roadmap with targets validated by SBT. I think you were one of the first airlines to do so. I wonder if you could start by you giving us an overview of how EasyJet is getting to net zero. Yes, of course. Um, Well, the first thing to say is that uh, there is no proverbial silver bullet. There are Uh, a number of levers that we have to work on to deliver net zero by 2050. And they comprise, um, in the first instance, uh, operational efficiencies. We're absolutely forensically focused on uh, reducing um, carbon and driving fuel efficiency. Uh, So a number of uh, operational procedures uh, and and efficiencies uh, which are very very closely managed um, anything from single engine taxiing to removing any piece of extraneous weight um, off the aircraft to uh, engine washes um, and a, a whole detailed suite um, we're just currently retrofitting for instance um, the whole of our fleet with um, uh, descent profile optimization software uh, in conjunction with Airbus. And that alone is going to drive further uh, carbon efficiencies of of over 1% uh, within the sort of six to nine months that that's uh, yet to take. So big focus on operational efficiencies. Um, Fleet renewal is uh, a key 
uh, lever. Um, and um, we already have a relatively young fleet, um, a number of uh, A320, A321 NEOs within the fleet, um, but we will be um, entering into service uh, an additional 168 uh, NEO aircraft between now and 2029. Uh, so that's going to be a, a big element of, um, of carbon reduction um, between now and the end of the decade. Uh, airspace modernization is another uh, immediate issue um, which uh, could, if implemented across the UK and, and the EU, uh, result in at least 10% carbon efficiency um, for aviation um, across Europe. So it's, a, you know, a, 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 on paper, a low-hanging fruit, although it's been difficult to um, realise um, in, in, in the years to date. But uh, we're definitely working hard to um, uh, support and influence um, the, the bodies that will actually help make that a reality and that's a key part of our roadmap uh, as well as over the next uh, 10 to 15 years and of course sustainable aviation fuels um, we will be flying um, on sustainable aviation fuel uh, we already are actually um, in France at the moment um, but um, from 2025 we anticipate both EU and UK uh, SAF mandates, uh, which we will, of course, be um, uh, abiding by. Um, but in the longer term, from 2035, 2040 um, onwards, um, we are um, uh, very optimistic that hydrogen propulsion will form um, an increasing part of our uh, roadmap to net zero um, as, uh, as that uh, technology, um, infrastructure, uh, green hydrogen production, um, uh, and and logistics scale uh, for the short-bodied, uh, sorry, the the, the narrow-bodied um, aircraft sector, um, which would be a, a considerable um, contribution to net zero aviation by 2050. And for the uh, residual emissions, which um, we will still be um, emitting carbon emissions by 2050, then um, carbon removal, technical carbon removal um, is uh, is what we have in the plan as well. And we're working with, with um, uh, various partners um, to work to scale that technology. Um, so primarily um, uh, 1.5 carbon engineering, uh, Airbus and a number of air other airlines have collaborated together to uh, seek to scale that technology over the next few years. So those uh, in a nutshell, are the six elements um, which or levers which uh, uh, enable us to reach um, a science-based target decarbonisation trajectory um, over the next uh, 30 years. You know, there's so much to drill down in there. <laughs> I think we can spend the next few hours talking through it because you've probably spent many months uh, developing this. One thing that is different from other SBTI verified airline roadmaps we have come across is your bet on next generation aircraft being bigger than your bet on sustainable aviation fuel? Are you able to dig into that exactly why that is the case? Yes. I mean, I must stress that sustainable aviation fuels are um, very much part of our roadmap um, and will continue to be right through to 2050. Um, but from um, 2035, 2040 onwards, we would expect to be taking 
um, hydrogen fueled aircraft um, into the fleet. And we're certainly working with a range of partners uh, to try to make that uh, a reality. Um, certainly, uh, it's not just EasyJet that uh, is uh, very optimistic about about that. Um, certainly, um, other uh, other bodies, be it um, on the EU front or on the UK government front, with regard to um, um, the ATI work, the Fly Zero work that's been done on that front, um, uh, is uh, 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 confident that hydrogen propulsion aircraft um, will be feasible for uh, the short haul market. Um, so we know that it's not a near term or even a medium term solution for long haul, but certainly um, for EasyJet, where our average sector length is around about 1200 kilometres, um, we, um, we have confidence that uh, this could be a solution for us um, to help us decarbonise. And of course, um, some of the advantages of hydrogen um, is that it really is truly uh, zero carbon emissions. So uh, as opposed to SAF, which is of course, uh, sequestering um, uh, carbon during its life cycle, but still um, emitting uh, carbon in the air. So um, hydrogen is, is uh, ultimately would be a cleaner, um, a much cleaner solution for uh, the narrow bodied um, uh, airline segment. Very good point here. I'm curious, you are working with Rolls-Royce, I believe, in developing the hydrogen aircraft. What is this partnership about? What is the time frame you're looking at? When will I get to fly, let's say, from Gatwick to Geneva or Luton to Geneva on a hydrogen aircraft or Luton to Paris? <laughs> yes, I think what's unique about the partnership with Rolls-Royce is that um, the hydrogen combustion engine technology that we are collaborating on is uh, engine technology capable of powering an EasyJet-sized aircraft. Um, so um, that means that we're addressing the narrow-bodied aircraft segment. And um, over the next few years, you'll see um, a series um, of, um, of, of rig and ground tests. Um, you'll have already seen the tests that were um, carried out uh, towards the end of last year. Um, you'll be seeing and hearing um, of more iterations um, of testing. Um, and ultimately, um, yeah, we'd be, we'd, be, we'd be looking to take that to air, uh, but there's still a lot of work to do um, in the meantime. Meanwhile, you might have seen actually today um, the news from Cranfield that uh, they're looking to take um, and commercialise um, uh, a much smaller um, aircraft a nine-seater um, based on hydrogen fuel cell, but um, uh, it's, that's, that's, that's very encouraging to see. And we've got a, a very close partnership with, with Cranfield um, working on a, a number of uh, hydrogen-related um, projects. So um, great to see that news today. That's fantastic. So will this, does this mean this will give you two options in working with Rolls-Royce and Cranfield, or will this tie in well together with your work with Rolls-Royce? Yeah, no, this all ties in together with the ultimate ambition we work we have a number of partnerships with obviously with with airbus we've been um working with them since 2019 on next generation aircraft technology um and uh and very closely on the zero e uh, partnership as well as you know airbus um have uh stated that they envisage bringing a commercial um uh, hydrogen propulsion aircraft to market by 20 
35. Um, so we have that partnership, um, partnering also, um, as you say, with, with, with Rolls-Royce, with Cranfield Aerospace Solutions and, uh, and also with GKN on, um, on hydrogen-related uh, aviation projects. So paint for me a picture for, for someone who doesn't know in depth as much as you do. Let's say it's 2045. Where can I fly on EasyJet? So if, will you say if I'm flying from London to Amsterdam, it might be a, a Rolls-Royce powered, uh, you know, hydrogen jet. If I'm flying to Egypt to Sharm el-Sheikh, I might be on a SAF flight. If I'm flying somewhere else, it might be on zero. Which routes will the specific aircraft be flying on? Uh, well, it's 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 not possible to say exactly at the moment, but um, be assured that these are very live conversations um, with ourselves, and particularly working with 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 Airbus um, on the modelling and our network team um, to look at uh, the types of city pairs uh, where we might start operating. Um, hydrogen, of course, it depends very much on the availability of green hydrogen and on the infrastructure um, at the airports, which is um, something that we are working with, um, working on um, uh, as well at the moment. In um, and and so is Airbus very actively actually, and we've been working, for instance, with Hydrogen Southwest and Bristol Airport um, uh, and um, uh, Air, uh, Airbus as well on a consortium to. Um, look to see how hydrogen can be introduced um, at, at Bristol Airport, um, first of all, in terms of ground equipment, uh, so that we can start to understand how to work with hydrogen, what types of uh, rules and regulations and processes um, will need to um, be developed and, and aware of. So, um, so it's all very much uh, work in progress. I can't tell you right now um where you'll be able to fly in uh, in 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 20 years plus um on, on hydrogen but um but potential routes um are are being talked about right now fair enough i i'll give you that it's hard to <laughs> look into this crystal ball here uh you also have an interesting partnership with right electric where you're developing electric and hybrid electric aircraft uh, with them is that still current and if so how far off is right electric in terms of test flights potentially with uh, easyjet as well um yeah so we uh were collaborating a number of years ago quite closely with right electric um they're eyeing up all electric flights um of uh, uh yeah uh, around about um, 500 kilometers i think with regard to easyjet size aircraft um, and the challenges of narrow-bodied aviation, uh, all-electric, um, has uh, become clearer and clearer that it's not a solution for us. Um, having said that, Wright Electric is in the business of developing high-power electric motors. So this could be part of a hybrid a hydrogen solution in, in the future. Um, but all electric, um, we are quite clear now, is not uh, an option for an easyjet size aircraft or airline. Good to know uh, on how that's progressing as well. So it seems a lot more hydrogen, perhaps a little less electric. Um, I remember when Vina spoke, you were still automatically offsetting flights, 100% of them. In fact, I think it was since 2019, you were one of the first airlines to automatically offset flights. Now, in this roadmap, you've stated that you will no longer be doing so. Why is that? Can you please explain, you know, you were at an industry-leading position with offsetting, you're moving away from it. Why is that? 
Yes, of course. So when we launched the 100% offsetting back in 2019, uh, we did so saying and knowing that it was the most immediate thing that we could do to uh, address the impact, the carbon impact of our organisation. I think it's phenomenal looking back um, three and a half years, how technologies have developed and opportunities have developed to support the decarbonisation um, of aviation. I think it's it's happened incredibly quickly and it's very exciting. Um, we always said it was an interim step whilst those pathways became clearer. Um, and uh, you're right when you said you must have been working months on your roadmap. We've actually we're actually working years on the roadmap um, uh, to, to develop the roadmap. And, and it became clearer and clearer that there was uh, a pathway forward. Um, and therefore, we um, decided to uh, transition that investment in offsetting into investments into technologies which will help us directly decarbonize, uh, such as the um, partnership with Rolls-Royce, such as the um, direct air carbon capture and storage technology development, uh, such as um, uh, the software that I talked about on the descent profile optimization um, with, with Airbus, the retrofitting of our fleet uh, with that software to drive um, operational carbon efficiencies right here and now. Um, so that, that's why we have pivoted away from offsetting and into technologies to help us directly decarbonize. Fair enough. Um, and I think that explains your position as well. Now, EasyJet is a low-cost airline. There, which means you're almost always focused on growth and there's been significant growth, especially post-pandemic. Let's talk about growth versus sustainability. To what extent can an airline such as yourself reconcile the two? You know, even though per passenger carbon footprint may be going down, the total emissions of the airline is going up because of growth. How do we reconcile this? Uh, well, certainly, if you look at the modelling, we, uh, we've modelled our decarbonisation pathway based on uh, an intensity metric, which is um, as per the SBTI um, guidelines, um, but uh, allied to that is also a decarbonisation trajectory. Um, and if you also look at the um, Sustainable Aviation Roadmap, which was launched, um, the latest revision was launched last week at Farnborough Sustainable Skies Conference, um, that is actually based on uh, an absolute uh, reduction trajectory um, so uh, alongside um, uh, alongside the intensity reduction um, you will see um, a, a decarbonization trajectory in absolute terms uh, but not as fast it's fair to say um, uh, but um, but um, certainly the decoupling of growth and carbon emissions um, is, is 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 now evident and there's a way forward on that. Right. And I think the sooner we can do that, the better it is for the industry as a whole. Absolutely. So it's, it's, I'm glad to see that, you know, that bet on uh, new technology. Um, another question I have is more policy related. Uh, we've seen how France announced that, you know, they're, they're banning flights of less than two and a half hours, I think, where there's a train connection. So a few domestic routes. And at the same time, the UK has... Uh, announce a reduction in domestic air passenger duty. You, of course, run a number of domestic routes. What do you say to critics who want domestic flights moved onto other forms of transport like trains? Yes, I mean, the the, um, the legislation in France didn't actually uh, impact on EasyJet um, 
uh, even though we are flying domestic routes on France in France, because generally speaking, um, any train route that is um, uh, three hours or under is is not a viable route for us to fly, and we wouldn't be flying it um, uh, unless, of course, it crosses sea. Um, um, so, um, so yes, we, we're, we're not flying super short domestic flights, uh, and nor is there the infrastructure on the rail to uh, reposition um, all those passengers on the longer domestic flights. Um, but, um, but yes, un- under three hours is 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 not um, is not a viable route for us, and we don't fly it. We don't fly it unless, as I say, it's crossing crossing water. Do you, um, pardon my ignorance, do you fly currently, uh, let's say, from Luton to Edinburgh or Glasgow? Yes. Yes, we do. Luton to Edinburgh, yeah. yeah. Would that not be a very short route, which is covered by trains? Not within that time scale. Okay, okay, fair enough. The The other part, just around policy, is also just looking at European level. To what extent will you be impacted by the tightening of the ETS scheme from 2025-2026? Well, I think generally speaking, in all walks of life, not just aviation, um, emitting carbon is going to come with um, with higher costs, and that's very much um, the you know that that is one of the drivers um, be, behind um, the uh, net zero pathway and all the uh, incredible efforts that are going into to decarbonize um, because we want to fly um, as carbon efficiently as possible it makes sense for the environment but it also makes sense um, for the bottom line as well what gives you the most hope because there are lots of skeptics about aviation's target in about 2050 what gives you the most hope that we will actually get there as an industry well it's ter- it's incredibly energizing to be part of the relationships and the partnerships uh, that we um, that we're working on with partners uh, such as Rolls-Royce with partners such as Airbus Cranfield Aerospace Solutions, uh, GKN, um, Hydrogen Southwest, um, the airport partnerships, environmental partnerships that we're developing, um, the wider coalitions such as Sustainable Aviation and particularly the Jet Zero Council. There is so much momentum behind this. The technologies are becoming clearer and clearer. What we really need um, is the regulatory infrastructure um, and incentives to enable those technologies to scale. so, um, yeah, as, as we talked about when we talked about the move for the transition from offsetting into decarbonisation technologies, the landscape has changed dramatically over the last few years. Um, uh, and uh, as has, you know, the societal expectation that um, that all sectors decarbonise as quickly as possible. So um, there definitely is that momentum Right. Um, yeah, I totally feel it as well. If every time I'm meeting at an industry forum, yes, there's momentum, there's consensus. And I think that definitely helps. Now, I'm curious to learn about your journey as well. You've actually been in sustainable aviation for over 10 years, I think, since 2002. What led you to sustainability within aviation? What's your journey been like that got you here? Yeah, my background is has been tourism. Um, I was on the commercial side and transitioned into um, the uh, sustainability side of uh, of travel and tourism to operating, um, and I was always um, obviously very excited about tourism. Could see the massive um, socioeconomic benefits that travel and tourism brings, but uh, alongside that, 
the environmental challenges. So it was something that I was always very passionate about. Um, so it was great to have the opportunity um, previously with uh, First Choice Holidays and TUI Group um, and now with EasyJet um, to pursue that uh, professionally and to find ways where uh, sustainable tourism, sustainable aviation um, and business success uh, can, can, can gel and that's increasingly uh, increasingly the case so um so yes I've, I've worked in different areas to do with um uh leisure tourism be it um hotels tour operating um ground handling cruising but aviation was always the biggest nut to crack i think uh, and that's what uh, really attracted me to uh focusing on aviation and working with easyjet where I knew because I'd worked with them previously that um, a number of the, um, uh, the senior management, well, actually all senior management were absolutely passionate um, about solving this challenge. Uh, and that's a real prerequisite, I think, to, to making progress in sustainable business. I think it's very inspiring, um, perhaps to an entire generation of people looking to come into aviation to choose to work with someone like EasyJet, which is growing, uh, but in a wants to do that in a sustainable manner rather than a, just a traditional legacy airline, for example. Um, the last part of this interview is what I call the rapid fire round, in which we get to know a bit more personally about you. Very simple <laughs> questions like, what's your favorite air? Oh dear. Something that's not orange. <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely easy, Jed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I told you it's easy, easy. I hope they're all so easy, <laughs> these questions. What about your favorite city? <laughs> London, I'd say, actually. Okay. Did you grow up in London? No, not really, but um, but I feel like it's my, my adopted city. Okay. Uh, what's your favourite book? Favourite book? Gosh. Um, oh, I like lots of books, lots of authors. Uh, I guess uh, I reread the um, the Wolf Hall trilogy recently, so I do like historical fiction. But um, um, in terms of um, sustainability books, um, recently, I guess there is no Planet B. Um, uh, Mike Berners-Lee, um, I would recommend that. That's a, an inspiring read. Sure. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to pick it up. I've read the Bill Gates one but not uh, Planet B, but I did see it come out. I will definitely pick it up. Uh, what's your favourite movie? Oh, gosh, movie. I should have done some research, shouldn't I? Um, movie, oh, well, to be honest, um, I'll, I'll, um, I'll swerve that one slightly. Um, in terms of uh, TV series at the moment, I'm really hooked on Succession. So uh, I, I have to leave you with that one for the moment. Okay, sure. It's a, it can be a series. Uh, what is uh, <laughs> something you still want to learn, Jane? Oh, well, I'm missing I'm missing using my languages actually a bit at the moment. I used to use them more professionally, so I'm um, trying to pick up my German again at the moment. Um, so I I, uh, I could speak it pretty well years ago. Um, looking to uh, reactivate that. Okay, uh, what do you do in your free time? Oh, quite a lot of sort of cycling and trekking. Okay. Oh, any favourite hikes? I'm just back from the Amalfi Coast, actually. I've just walked along along the mountains, along the Amalfi Coast, which was Fantastic. amazing. Uh, I definitely recommend that, but uh, go is slightly out of season. Okay. Fantastic. That's, that's a great tip. And finally, the best advice you have received. Poor. A previous boss of mine gave me some advice that stuck with me. Um... 
that really um, investing time in your team, um, supporting and empowering them, but not micromanaging. So uh, letting them shine. Absolutely. I think that that's one of the hallmarks of a truly great leader. Um, Jane, thank you so much for opening up personally, as well as your vision for sustainability at EasyJet. I think you're doing some fantastic work and I can't wait to have um, you featured in the book and write some more details about it. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sustainability in the Air. Aviation is one of the hardest to decarbonize industries, yet there are multiple paths to get to net zero. Awareness is key to a green future. So please give us your support to help our sustainable aviation insights reach a wider audience. You can do this by sharing this episode on your network on LinkedIn, Twitter, or even WhatsApp. Or perhaps you might consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this episode. You can start a conversation with us by writing to us at podcast at simplifying, that's simply with an I, dot com. And for more content on sustainable aviation, please visit our website green.simplifying.com and join the movement. Sustainability in the Air is an original podcast by Simplifying. The show is produced by Uri Toth in Slovakia. Dirk Singer is our Director of Sustainability who leads research for each interviewee out of Greenwich, UK. Shubhadeep Pau is our supervising editor based out of Mumbai and Singapore. The articles are written by Ayushi Badola in Dehradun in India and Mira Hull in Montreal, Quebec. Creative design is led by Lihia Esteve in Montreal. Baiba Dreamen is the project director for the show based out of Valencia, Spain. Special thanks to Wendy Sim in Singapore. And I'm Shashank Nigam, the CEO of Simplifying and your host. Please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn.